Fuck from the back, hit her once, that's a rack. No strings attached, that's a rack, that's a rack. No strings attached, that's a rack, that's a rack. Water on my neck, swim through that, that's a lap. Fuck from the back, hit her once, that's a rack. No strings attached, that's a rack, that's a rack. No strings attached, that's a rack, that's a rack. Water on my neck, swim through that, that's a lap. Welcome to Gritty Sports Talk. This is Ryan Rutherford, the only OG member of the crew with us today. Josh is sick and John is MIA. So we've got one of our regular contributors, Brent Pates, in the building. Well, in his own house and I'm in my house. But we are in buildings and we will be giving you topics all around the NBA from uh, the draft lottery last night through both conference finals. So stick around. It's a good one. It's also our first time using Skype to do an interview, so we apologize for any technical difficulties. We are here with Brent Pates, our round ball expert. Brent, nice to have you back on uh, Gritty Sports Talk. How's it going? Thank you, Ryan. It's uh, it's going pretty good. Can't complain. We're uh... We're with the last four teams of the NBA season. Not too much of a surprise uh, who's left here, but, you know, last time, uh, glad to talk a little bit of college hoops, that tournament. Love March Madness, but, yeah, definitely excited to talk a little NBA action today, my my bread and butter. Yep, we were talking amateur basketball last time. Brent was here for uh, the March Madness podcast, and uh, now today we're going to be talking about those last four teams in the NBA, and we're also uh, going to talk a little bit about the action last night that was not on the court, that was with the ping pong balls in uh, the NBA draft lottery. Some crazy shit went down, honestly. There was a, it was a, one of the more crazy lotteries of recent memory, and um, obviously a lot on the line with one of the highest touted prospects and since LeBron, probably with Zion on the line. Um, so uh, with that being said, obviously Zion going to New Orleans, who get uh, who got the number one pick. Um, New Orleans looks like they might have gotten the number one pick in a, a couple ways if they did not get this, and uh, that they may have traded up for the pick with the the Knicks had they gotten number one. I saw some discussions about that, but um, obviously they didn't have to do that. They got the number one pick on their own, and. Um, my initial reaction was, I think this sucks. I think it's terrible for basketball. I think it could say, it could be good for basketball in New Orleans. But other than that, I think it's terrible for the NBA, putting him in this small market. I don't want to watch the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't know how you feel about this, Brent. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. It kind of it sucks just because, I mean, in the past, I mean, they are doing something new by, uh, you know, getting a new general manager in there, kind of having a new front office. But with their incompetency in the past, it's just like it feels like you know Anthony Davis all over again. The unanimous unanimous number one overall going to New Orleans feels like they're not going to build a team around them in the next five years. You know, like they've you know never done in their history of their organization. And he's probably going to leave in free agency to go partner up with a superstar. I mean, that's just it feels like what the NBA is now. Just you know, the players kind of have all the power and you know where they're going and making their own decisions. I do agree. It kind of sucks originally when I'm thinking of the lineup. I would like to see him play with AD, but then again, like, 
I just don't think there's any way AD, you know, with the, with the, that's all folks, that shirt he wore at the very last Pelicans game. I think he's, he's done. He is, he's out of there, but I do think that the trade packages they could get back from him are going to be intriguing, especially if they try to trade him uh, and try to get some younger players, maybe, maybe some picks. Uh, I really want to see, like I said, what, what some teams are going to offer him. And I think, uh, I think that it's going to be very intriguing to see. And one of the bigger pieces right now is uh, I think the bigger uh, Pelicans players, at least is uh, right now, Drew holiday and Julius Randall are probably their two best current players. I'd say Alfred Payton really balled last year. So I got to give props to him. He, he put up insane fantasy numbers, but it's going to be interesting seeing, you know, Randall and Zion kind of at the three and four Randall, probably a little bit, uh, you know, a heftier, much less athletic version of kind of what Zion is now. So it's going to be interesting to see what they run with. And like I said, what, what packages they get for AD, but that could be intriguing, but I I'm, I'm really, I I'm kind of the same way as you. I've been trying to sell myself on this, you know, since it happened. And I was, uh, I was like you pretty, pretty upset to see it when it happened because it does feel kind of like just a, just a waste of, you know, such a generational talent. That's probably, you know, the best player in the last 10 drafts. So I'm just, kind of being, you know, shoved down in New Orleans with, you know, no help. Yeah, and uh, whenever this happened, I tried to find the the bright spot, try to find the green grass in this situation, and I was thinking there are probably two things here that can make me happy. Um, uh, three things, but one of them is just definitely not going to happen. Number one, the one that's not going to happen, is that the Pelicans trade Zion because mm-hmm. – Everybody is just angry and they want to make the world a happier place. And they know that everyone will be happier if Zion goes and plays in a real market. (laughs) Number two, which is slightly more likely than option one, the Pelicans move to Seattle and Zion becomes the new Sean Kemp. Uh, but better. I'm definitely rooting for that now. That's yes. something I hadn't considered before, but now that you've said it into the universe, I feel like we just got to keep saying this over and over. Yes. Like, Pelicans. you know, hear about the Pelicans, like rumors are they're moving to Seattle. Yep. Just keep on saying it until it happens. Be- um, people are saying it. We're saying it right now. So people are saying the people Pelicans say it. To people Seattle. say it. And then we might be people, but you know, we're saying it as well. Number three is probably the more likely option. Pelicans trade Anthony Davis and get some really, really interesting pieces that will make you want to watch the Pelicans. I don't want to see, uh, like like five young players from the Lakers like that, like something like that, that will not really interest me. But if I can see the Knicks trading the three, uh, overall pick and maybe something else, uh, for, uh, the John Morant or RJ Barrett pick at number three overall, that would really get me going. John Moran, of course, played with him uh, in AAU and R.J. Barrett at Duke, so they have history, and I think that would get Zion a little fired up. Because I don't know if you saw the interview right after he, uh, New Orleans got the pick, but he did not really look happy in the interview where he was like, uh, I'll, I'll do, I have like a winner's mentality, and I, I'll bring that to my team and stuff like that. But he was not smiling. Zion's usually a pretty happy guy, and he did not look very happy uh, in that moment. And I don't know if you saw this. This is pretty recently released, but I was shocked when it uh, when I saw who actually uh, posted the video. But there's a re- pretty recent video. It's like 
RJ Barrett and Zion's reaction immediately after Pelicans get number one pick and they're just all sitting on like the chairs and he's just like kind of like laughing like bro are you see like it's you can tell you like pretty obvious to tell his body language, like what his reaction is and the account that posted it was Sports Center it was the official mm-hmm. ESPN app so it's like it's kind of weird like they're pretty like ESPN like pretty much openly put out there that like Zion was like like not happy and yeah. it's it's a weird situation if you're the Pelicans. Like literally, like every, like you're literally the only people. Your your you know front ticket booth. Your organization is the only people cheering and happy about this this result. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a. I mean, I'm sure they don't care. They get Zion Williams. I mean, they'll. Well, I mean, if I was you know that was my team, I'd be like, yeah, you guys will get over it. But you know, it's it's you know kind of an interesting situation to see what they'll surround him with and what this new general manager does. Maybe I don't want to you know put anything on him you know from the past front office that he didn't really do so i'll give i'll give him a chance i'll give him a chance yeah and uh i'm glad you brought up that video because uh and and sports center tweeting it out because that uh brings up how i think uh if you watch the draft lottery coverage it was pretty weird there was a a lot of just like awkward stuff going on just the whole the whole ballroom setup with the like jumbotron setup and uh they were just watching the like ESPN broadcast that was happening behind them. Like everybody was watching a screens of a stage that was happening behind them for the majority of the thing. The only thing that was on stage was just like the actual picking of the numbers. So that was very weird. Uh, and just the setup. And then, uh, they were interviewing, uh, Zion and RJ Barrett together. And, uh, some of the questions they were asking them were just crazy. Like RJ Barrett could be potentially going number two, uh, definitely number three, if not. Uh, and he's about to have his whole life changed. He's been preparing his whole life for this moment. And the first question they ask him on the lottery night is how do you, how do you feel for Zion right now? Like, and it's just like, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of <laughs> more thinking about yourself right now. Yeah, exactly. A big moment for you. You're about to find out where you're going too. So I don't really think he's thinking that much about, Hmm, I wonder where my buddy's going that much. I don't really think that's that that's on the top of his head. And then a little bit later in the exact same interview, they asked Zion if he were the GM and he was picking number two overall, would he pick Ja or RJ? And RJ's literally sitting mm, yeah. reach away. And Ja Moran is also his friend who's probably gonna see this broadcast. And he, Zion was just like, what? Because I think Jay Billis asked, and he was like, didn't you go to Duke? Aren't you supposed to be on my side? And it's like, yeah, that's so weird, cool. man. I used to be a Jay Billis guy when he was doing his, like, cool lawyer that, like, tweeted out Jay-Z rap lyrics and was, like, <laughs> kind of, like, did his, like, you know, 90-foot walk and did at, was okay. But he's just kind of – lately, he's just been really, you know, turning a lot of people off, and especially me. He's just getting – he, I don't know. He's kind of doing a little personality turn. I'm not. I'm not a big Jay Billis guy anymore. It used to be, not anymore. But I, I agree with you. I, I did see a little bit, you know, the same interviews, and I did think, you know, it was really weird, like how how basically they were, you know, trying to trying to put this man on the spotlight, and it was just, it just seemed very uncomfortable, all of it. And it seems like, you know, the past few years, it's like, the, you know, the lottery selection, and I'm not complaining. It's not a. It's not an insanely huge night. It's no no means has to be, you know, anything like the, the actual draft or anything, but just seems like the presentation, the quality, like even the guests they bring, like they had Kuzma, they had Ewing, they had a few, you know, 
a few legends, but for the most part, I mean, it was pretty, pretty weak, you know, representation for the teams too. So I just think, you know, just, I, I don't know, just the effort that goes into it kind of seemed to be going on a downhill trend. Yeah. I think the, the selections were also very weird. Uh, the only one that I did really like was that the Cavs had Dan Gilbert's son comes again and then yeah. didn't get the number one number one overall pick. So hopefully he won't be considered good luck anymore and he'll stop coming because that's kind of an uh, annoying to me at this point. It was kind of cool when he was a kid, but now he has like a beard and it's like, dude, go. I don't want to see you anymore. Move yeah, on. and his him and his dad just tuck their MAGA hats like in the back of their coats like when <laughs> the TV comes back from commercial. Like you just I mean, Dan Gilbert's a Detroit guy and he's done a lot for the city, so like uh kind of de- by default, you know, that has to be my guy. But he's uh he's a uh, pretty, you know he hosted uh the uh Trump, you know, the Trump Demo- uh the Republican rallies in uh in Quicken Loans Arena when he was on the campaign trail. So uh Dan Gilbert's, you know, a questionable guy questionable guy at best fun fact for me and brent uh we went to mike pence's rally whenever he was was, (laughs) what a scene what a scene we were in the the mindset at the time was there's no way he's gonna win and this is gonna be kind of just like going to the zoo just to see what kind of creatures we saw and uh we did see some pretty interesting stuff uh do you remember the art stand that was just like children's stories but instead of like like evil characters that was like Hillary Clinton and stuff like that. Do you remember that? I do, I do remember a lot of like the little tents on the side just had like, you know, like when you're walking up to the game and you just have the guys yelling like, hey, get your T-shirt, fuck the Redskins. Or just some shit like just some like super outlandish shit that's yeah. like, you know, would never be like, to, you know, obviously team affiliate or just some like really. It seemed like that, except like for like the Republican race. So it was it was pretty funny to just see that that, you know, that kind of atmosphere. That was really interesting. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, Dan Gilbert, uh, he's uh, there's a reason uh, LeBron did not want to, you know, win win at Cleveland for him. That was the one thing. But I mean, yeah, I, I do think. um with Cleveland uh, getting, you know, obviously my guy, kind of a segue, uh, John Bayline, their, their new head coach hire. I think he's going to be, um, I think he's going to be a good coach. I really didn't like it at first. I thought his style fit a lot better for college than the NBA. I thought he was a, he really, you know, flourished and really was a good teacher and really worked good with kids. And he's, he's really like a really good, you know, players coach has good uh, player relations. He's, really, you know, happy, upbeat, smiling a lot of the time. So I think his style, the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking that it probably will translate into the NBA. I mean, he's got kind of the bottom of the barrel talent that's, you know, scraping to work with now. I mean, how you feel about Colin Sexton and I mean, Kay Love's, you know, on the on the way out. So it's not a great situation, but I think I think Bayline's a good hire. I think he'll be a good coach. Yeah, I like him there as well. I'm, I'm glad you brought him up. I've been meaning to ask you about him because – I'm sure you're very sad that he's leaving the big block M. Yeah, I have a, I have a little. I have to put away my John Bayline bobblehead at my at my desk at work. <laughs> Just so you don't that, put that in the sweet slumber. Yeah, and um, uh, so now we'll move on to uh, probably the last thing we'll talk about with the lottery is the Wizards getting screwed and getting the ninth overall pick. We had a better chance to get the number one overall pick than the ninth pick. 
So, of course, what happens when you're the Washington Wizards? You get the ninth pick. Um, that was very depressing. I was really hoping to at least get into, uh, like, the top, like, six. Uh, so we'll have mm-hmm. more of a, a selection of that that next tier below the, that top, the obvious top three. Uh, we'll get yeah. pick of the crop down if we got closer to the top six. But, of course, we get nine and uh, – I think there will still be a lot of talent on the board just because this is a really great draft, but just they got completely screwed. Bulls also got screwed. I felt bad for them and Horace Grant up there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's the Bulls. The Bulls is tough. Yeah, I did really think the Bulls were getting top three, too, and for them to get seven, it's a it's a pretty steep drop off. But I was I was looking today at something at a graphic that I mean, it's kind of it's kind of true if you think about it and you look back in history. Typically, like if you look at the Raptors versus Bucks starting five lineups right now, the highest player drafted between either of those teams is going to be Giannis. And he was like 13, 15 overall. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the most of the, you know, big talent, even Kawhi Leonard was like a mid, you know, uh, early to mid first round. Like he wasn't really too highly touted out of a, I think he, what he played San Diego at. State. San Diego. I was either. I know he's at San Diego and uh, Paul George is at Fresno. Just yeah, two little That's small tough. Cali schools. But yeah, um, a tweet about the the colleges the other day and uh, how uh, like the best players in this tournament or that are left in uh, the playoffs are Damian Lillard went to Weber State, Clay Thompson went to Washington State, Steph went to Davidson, and uh, of course Kawhi at San Diego State, and that. All of them being later draft picks, so that that is pretty. CJ McCollum, yep. yeah. CJ McCollum, Lehigh. I mean, you can. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Hooper's hoop, man. Like, mm-hmm. you don't got to be like a like a super highly touted uh, McDonald's All American uh, to come in and you know and perform. I mean, if you're that's what. That, so I think the overreactionary, you know, point of the draft is to you know anything out of the top five is not going to do anything and. And I mean, if you look at like, look at Pascal Siakam, like mm-hmm. look how many teams passed on him and look how like, if he, if that redraft today, there's no doubt in my mind, he's probably top two easily, no doubt top three, yeah. but I mean, he's like, so it's, you know, you find value wherever, you know, wherever you are in that first round. I mean, you can, you can find a good player. It's just, it really depends on, you know, your scouting department and the there's only going to be, you know, so many players that hit out of that first round every year. So it's kind of just, it's really all scouting and you can find a superstar, you know, at 15, 20 overall, which is kind of promising for, you know, uh, everyone who's not, you know, top five and tanking. So I have uh, four potential picks for the wizards at number nine. And uh, I want you to give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down for what you think for, uh, for the wizards with these picks. So the first one that I would really like, and I've seen this one a lot on Twitter and in people's mock drafts who are already doing them after uh, the lottery balls fell last night, mm-hmm. is Bull Bull at nine. Uh, the seven three guy from Oregon got hurt last year, so a lot of people didn't see him recently. Uh, if he didn't get hurt and he put up good numbers, he would be definitely top five. So, uh, what would you think of Bull Bull for the Wizards? I mean, I really like Bobo, first of all. I, I've i been high on him since he was coming out of high school, since it was – I'm telling you, there's three players out of high school in this draft that 
absolutely ran through the Nike circuits coming into a D1 college basketball last year. And that was the trio of RJ Barrett, Tyler Harrow out of Kentucky, the white kid and bowl mm-hmm. bowl. Those three were on the same team. And I'm telling you, those three easily looked like the best players on the court. I've been big out of Tyler on Tyler Harrow. Like I said, since he's in, sure. since he was in high school and, and getting recruited, I, I was surprised to see him, you know, not get that much coverage. He originally committed to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. which felt weird. You know, then he obviously transferred to Kentucky, but I really like Volvo. I think with the injury, it's going to be interesting to see whoever drop how far he drops because of that. Yeah. And whoever picks him, whether they're going to start him right away, I doubt he's going to play in the summer league. I think they're going to try and rest him and maybe not as long, but kind of a Michael Porter Jr. situation with mm-hmm. the Nuggets and really just try to ease him in slowly because I, I do agree. I'm I'm a really big fan of his game. If he can if he can put it together, he's like what Thon Maker would be like if he was just like an a really, really good basketball player. But mm-hmm. like he's a, he's really lengthy. He can run the floor. He can kind of dribble, which is impressive for him being, you know, the tallest guy on the floor. And he can shoot. He can hit the three. So Bull Bull, if, if I'm any team that lands him, I think it's going to get a good player. I like it as well. Uh, n- another one I have is uh, one of the Gonzaga forwards, the one I'm more high on, uh, Rui Hachimara. Uh, do you mm-hmm. like him? Uh, do you like him for the Wizards? I like him a lot. I I was actually looking. He was one of the main people because uh, I'm obviously you know kind of following Pistons Twitter on my feed. So mm-hmm. he's one of the players that's getting a lot of a lot of buzz right now for us. I mean, he's kind of you know. I don't think he's going to drop that far, but he's such a, he's such an interesting player. I mean, they're going to have him listed as power forward. I think he's like, you know, somewhere between like six, seven, six, eight right now. He can make plays and he's really technically good with the basketball. He's not a great shooter, but he can shoot, which is, you know, as long as he's willing to take him and teams are willing to come out and defend him and respect a jump shot. That's, you know, more than more than most people, you know, is transitioning to the to the four position. So he's kind of like that weird position list, like, you know, three, four kind of in between, you know. But I do think, you know, if he if he figures out how to how to find his niche, I think if he, you know, determines what he wants to be you know good at and really what he wants to find his role on the team, as I think he can be a really good player. Yeah, I agree. Um, and now the next one I have uh, for us would be. Out of Kentucky, the forward P.J. Washington, he uh, got hurt in the uh, SEC tournament and then came on and uh, made some good plays for Kentucky down the stretch when he was able to recover for the NCAA tournament. I would love to see him with the Wizards. I mean, I'm also pretty big on P.J. Washington. That's honestly uh, some mocks that I was looking at. I think one or two of them had the Wizards picking him. I think at times – when uh you know they were all healthy and it was kind of like an every every player was at an even playing field as far as you know health and everything like that pj washington was probably the best player on kentucky last year especially like uh, you know before he got hurt and mm-hmm. and that and even last year when he was kind of uh he was it was so weird he was kind of hurt but he kind of wasn't and then he was kind of like a project that they were trying to like teach him and they thought if he would have left uh, last year, he would have probably have dropped to the second round because of how raw he was. So decided to come back and, you know, had that injury concern. But I think he, he it's so weird. Like I said, like he, he has the potential to be the best player on that Kentucky team. And, and I think, you know, once he puts it together and once he 
it's like an NBA regimen of training and, and coaching and being able to hone the fun, the fundamental skills of basketball. I think, I think it's going to be really good. Yep. I, I'm big PJ Washington fan. And of course, more Kentucky Wildcats for the Wizards. So then hopefully we will eventually lure Boogie and John Calipari. I need that all of the Kentucky Wildcats in D.C. Uh, yeah, and just get Rondo backing up John Wall. Of course. And with, with Boogie in the locker room. Definitely no no locker room problems after that. None <laughs> at all. And then my dream pick, which I don't think he'll fall as far. I think he'll probably go around uh, five or six, uh, is Jarrett Culver from Texas tech. I think he is just a stud, strong defender, good offensive player, just the kind of guy that you are going to want on your team. A very solid all around guy. And of course, uh, went really far in the tournament with Texas tech last year or just a couple months ago. No. Yeah. I mean, we kind of talked about him last podcast. I mean, Mm. he was literally Texas techs, like every man, like he was literally their offense. They, I don't think, you know, they, Yet another guy in the team who could probably put up more than 14, 15. But I, I think I think Jared Culver is going to be good. I'm a little bit more shaky on him than I am on uh, any of the other products. Just because from what I saw from him in college, he did seem very streaky. He mm-hmm. seemed like uh, when he I did see him uh, a couple games when he was just off. And I mean, he wasn't. I mean, he had confidence, and I mean, it was kind of a a different, you have to look at the perspective of the situation. I mean, for, you know, he was literally, like I said, Texas tech's only option. So no matter if he's making or missing, like he's, he's, they're giving him the chuck. They're like, you gotta, you gotta carry us through, you know, you gotta get us to 70 points, buddy. So it's like, you know, I do think he'll be a really good offensive player. That was his kind of, you know, calling card was scoring. I think he's a better slasher. I think he's better, you know, finishing than he is at, you know, pure shooting. But I do think if he develops the jump shot, which I mean is pretty, pretty much the most commonly thing developed for draft picks is, you know, learning, you know, perfecting that jump shot form and, and really honing and perfecting that. So I think once he works on that and really grinds on that, he can, he can be a dangerous scorer if he, you know, if he perfects everything. Yeah, I agree. Um, so before we move on to uh, the playoffs, last question before uh, about the draft. The Pistons will be at 15. Who would you like to see the Pistons take there? Um, I really want to get us a wing. I really think we have absolutely, you know, little to nothing on the wing. I and this is I'm 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 a little more biased. I'm pretty rational about 29 teams in the NBA, but with the Pistons, um, I'll always have and I do agree. You know, Luke Kennard's probably going to be. I really want him as a rotational player on the bench. I do not want him as our starting shooting guard. And our draft pick last year, Bruce Brown, we got him in the second round, and he played a decent amount of starting minutes for us at our two. He's absolutely abysmal in offense, but he is a really good defender. So I really wouldn't mind him if we got someone who could score on the wing. I was looking at guys like, honestly, like I said, uh, Hashimura a little bit, and someone maybe like uh, Romeo Langford out of Indiana, or maybe, I don't know. Um, I do like Keldon Johnson out of Kentucky, too, That another Kentucky guard that, that can score. I did like him, but like I said, I really, for the way our team is going and what we're needing right now, we just need people who can shoot. So I'm really just looking for kind of whoever – I mean, I'm going to do a little bit more research right now because it's not looking like there's too many guys out there 
Uh, besides, you know, probably Kobe White for UNC. He has a lean jump shot. That he that that is a uh, I can't even talk. Sorry, <laughs> net snapping jump shot. It is pretty to watch him shoot. But I think he's probably going to go a little sooner, and he's more of a point guard, which is fine. I don't think Reggie Jackson's going to be in the Pistons' long-term plans. But like I said, we really just need three-point shooting. So Darius Garland, uh, also out of Vanderbilt, a uh, pretty good player as well. It's not John Morant. I think he will probably go in the top seven, I'm guessing. Uh, I I think he's more of a floor general and kind of like a, you know, more of a playmaker as, you know, setting guys up, passing, running offense rather than, you know, shooting and scoring. But I think he's going to be really good. So one of those players, as you know, our point guard for the future, I would, I would greatly like that. All right. So we'll move on to the Eastern conference finals. First, the bucks versus Raptors series. Um, we'll kind of break it down go through both teams and then give our predictions. Um, first, we'll look at the Raptors. And uh, what do you think it would take for the Raptors to come out ahead in this series? I really, honestly, I, my Raptors were my pick in the beginning of the season to go to the finals out of the East. I think they are, and I've kind of gone back and forth on this between obviously, you know, Milwaukee being, as deep as they are, but I really have stressed, you know, Raptors have been the deepest team in the NBA all year, as far as, you know, their seventh, eighth, ninth man being, you know, potential like fifth, sixth best players on most teams. I mean, the way, the way their bench unit comes and just demolishes teams, it's really impressive. So I think honestly, the way you're going to have to, I mean, and and if there's one person to do this, it is Kawhi Leonard, but you're going to have to make Kawhi, make Giannis uncomfortable because Giannis weakness, he does look unstoppable at a lot of the time when he looks vulnerable is when he, this teams put a lot of pressure on him. They try to make him go ISO from the wing. They really try to make him either, you know, drive kind of in a rounded way or maybe even block off the driving lanes. Totally. I know it's Giannis, so it's really hard to do, but like I said, I mean, if there's anyone to do it, it's Kawhi. So the more uncomfortable Giannis gets, the more out of control he gets. He gets really sloppy, really, with his dribbling if he just tries to go ISO scoring from the wing, like I said. So if you can keep Kawhi on Giannis and kind of just mitigate, I mean, if you can, Middleton's a three-point shooter. If you can have, I mean, the Raptors are a really good three-point defending team too. I mean, they're there's really not a bad defensive thing that they do, but if they can stay out on the wing and, and really disrupt, you know, those shooters on the wing and really make Giannis uncomfortable. And I, I think, you know, Pascal Siakam having the season in the playoffs he's having, I think it's, I think it's almost, yeah, it's, it's, it's really a toss up. I really think it is. Yeah. I, uh, I think containing Giannis will be very important. And I think it will take a, a combo of Kawhi and Siakam, uh, during the regular season, Siakam and Giannis were matched up on each other, and uh, he held his own pretty well. Uh, he scored well against Giannis, and uh, and I don't believe Giannis had any monstrous games against them in the regular season. The uh, Bucks were three and one against the Raptors during the regular season. Of course, that was a long time ago, but uh, all those games before the All Star break. But um, I think I think having a, a tag team of Siakam and Kawhi. So uh, kind of try to keep both of them fresh instead of just leaving one guy on Giannis to just get dogged down or maybe get in foul trouble. 
uh, have to have both of those guys team up on him because he's just an animal. And then uh, another thing that I think the Raptors will really need is they'll need Kyle Lowry to show up. He is abysmal this playoffs. And uh, also looking back to those regular season games, um, he was, he only played in the three that the Raptors lost. And in those three games, he was one for 20 from three. I know you were talking about uh, the Raptors having good three point defense. So uh, it seems like the Bucks could defend Kyle Lowry from three pretty well uh, also. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm going to do a quick verbal meme. It's Mm-mm. the NBA playoffs start Kyle Lowry, the fading away 50 cent GIF in the car. I mean, <laughs> he, he just it's it's crazy. It's every year, too. It's not like it's a it's, you know, where is he now? It's it's mm-hmm. just for some reason, like the playoffs just and you hate to like you know, call the guy out for like, is he, is it getting to him? Is he mentally, you know, not there, but at some point you got to ask, like, it's, is this a thing? Like, I mean, it's, it, we've got enough of a sample size now in your career to see, like, it's clearly a trend. I mean, he's a former all-star. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Hasn't he made, uh, I th- think the one year where him and DeRozan did really good, uh, and they were the one seed, did he make an all NBA team or am I, I don't know. I don't remember, but yeah, yeah. He, He's just really good shying away from the moment. Um, Then uh, I will move over to Milwaukee's side. Uh, I think the Bucks will definitely come down to the opposite of kind of what we were talking about with uh, the containing Giannis. If Giannis is uncontainable, if he's going to the free throw line, getting guys in foul trouble, slowing up the pace of the game and, and disrupting the flow of the game, I think that will really benefit the Bucks, and I think he'll be able to do that. Yeah, I think he will too. And just for the record, yeah, and not to backtrack, I'll go back to the Bucks in a second. But yeah, Kyle Lowry made an All NBA third team in 2016. Okay, and he's a five-time All Star. Like that's like I think Blake Griffin has like five or six. Like that's like he's no scrub, and you just no. for some reason like. He cannot figure out, and he's also a gold medalist. One, like, he's a good player. I just don't get why he just, just doesn't show up. But yeah, as far as the Bucks go, I mean, the one thing I really liked about the Bucks, and I'll, I've said this for a long time, I think uh, Budenholzer is a top three coach in the NBA. I think he always has been the minute he left uh, San Antonio. I mean, he was Pop's right hand man. And for all those years when they were battling the, you know, the Spurs, as soon as like he leaves, the first job he goes to is that Atlanta Hawks team where, you know, they had, uh, you know, when it was Kyle Corver, I think Al Corford and, and they, and it was like four of the five made and Paul Millsap and they all made the all-star team. They were one, no one seed in the East. He got coach of the year. And then the Hawks just decided that they couldn't beat LeBron and they wanted to rebuild. So they just kind of, dumped him off for no reason. But yeah, Mike Budenholzer is an amazing coach. One of the things I really like the Bucks is their determination and they don't look like they get comfortable. They they dropped that one game one at, at Celtics uh you know last series. That was a little a little bit of a, a an anomaly. I don't think that was a you know a, what usually happens or what anyone was expecting to happen really. It, it was more of a shocked look on the faces after that game. But I really think they're really well disciplined and they're really well coached. I don't think, you know, they're getting comfortable or they're looking where they're at in the moment. I think they still have kind of the attitude and demeanor of a team who's kind of, you know, still looking to the next round and 
and still, like I said, not not letting the moment getting too big for him and staying very disciplined and keeping with their offensive system, which I really like. I, I don't really like when teams, you know, like the Thunder are terrible at it. Like they just completely abandon all plays and, and you know, go ISO with superstars and, and try to just force baskets and force offensive where where you can tell the Bucks are so, you know, running plays, trying to get guys open and, and really, like I said, looking crisp and clean. Yeah, and one of those guys that they get open a lot uh, is Chris Middleton, probably one of the best uh, catch-and-shoot three-point players in the game right now. Um, I think he needs to be the guy for uh, the He needs to be posted up there, and he needs to have 25 points a game uh, for them if they're going to have a good chance against the Raptors because – uh, he's a guy that I think has been right on the edge of becoming a household name in the NBA for a while. And uh, I think he could make his mark on this series and and really put himself in the limelight of the NBA. I mean, yeah, he's re- he, he was an all star this year. He was really, oh. really, really good, I think. And, you know, he, he also performed in the three point contest. I mean, mm-hmm. the way the NBA is going is just, you know, shoot three, shoot threes. I mean, he's definitely one of the best to do it right now. And uh, I just want uh, to, to note also uh, the Pistons uh, let him walk away for absolutely nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's always fun to look back at the players that like we had and we did absolutely nothing to keep. And now they're all starters on playoff teams. So it's always a good sign you know, that your front office is doing something right now. Anything else you want to add on the Bucks before we give our predictions for the series? I'm really going to be intrigued. A matchup that I'm going to kind of low-key like watching and keying on is Brooke Lopez and Marc Gasol. That's going to be kind of an interesting matchup. Both have kind of had similar career arcs where they were, you know, kind of elite forces on their on their teams for a while. They kind of had similar playing styles as well. Made a few small playoff runs, nothing too crazy with their teams, and, you know, eventually got traded. Brooke, obviously, a little bit later in his career than Mark, but... Uh, I do that matchup is going to be uh, kind of fun to watch. I do think Mark is, you know, the better player right now and should win the matchup. But Brooks not gonna, you know, Brooks not a no scrub, so that'll be fun to watch as well. But no, it'll it'll be definitely probably one of the hopefully better matchups of the playoffs. You know, I did like that Raptors Sixers series. I think that right now, especially with the way it ended, I mean, the ending just kind of solidified mm-hmm. it. But that's probably been the best series of the playoffs. You know, that or the Warriors Rockets maybe. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that uh that series up in that game 7. Both game 7s uh that brought us to these conference finals were just amazing basketball games. I, I mm-hmm. told people on Gritty Sports Talk that I would start watching more basketball and I I gave them that promise. I watched both of those game 7s. I watched a couple of the uh other playoff games recently and it it was a really good series. I I agree with you that that was probably the best series uh that Raptors uh 76ers series, probably definitely the best one. Uh, I f- was really surprised to see that that was the first game seven to ever be decided on a buzzer beater in NBA history. I saw that too. I did see that stat. I think that might be a little semantics. Like, you know, you know, someone releases it with like 0.2 seconds left, technically like not a buzzer beater, but, yeah. but yeah, it is, it is kind of weird that it's like never happened before. Like that's the first yeah. time you think it probably have happened once, but but like I said, there's probably been close shots, but honestly, yeah, probably, like I said, like, probably, yeah, probably like series winners, like a 
like if somebody made a buzzer beater in game six to move on to the next round or something like that wouldn't count it for this stat and stuff. But uh, and that's what there have been more elimination buzzer beaters than one. <laughs> and if you remember early in Dame Lillard's career, do you remember the uh, series clinching buzzer beater he had versus the Rockets when it was a uh, Dwight Howard when mm-hmm. when they were, when he was on the Rockets and and he hit the buzzer beater you know game series that was his kind of first defining moment. So I originally thought back to that and I was like, well, that must have not been a game six. Must have been like a game six or something, yeah. It, it, I think it was game six because I think the Rockets had just put it up to go to game seven and, and he hit it to, you know, end it. but all right, never mind. I answered my own question. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's, uh, let's move on to that Western matchup. Well, we got, got to give our predictions first. So who do you got? In this ah, true. Um, I've been doing pretty good as far as sports betting goes. I'm, I'm on like a little, uh, I think four Oh run as far as NBA playoffs go, but nice. I had a $50 future bet on the Raptors to make the make it out of the East. I'm really thinking I think it's going to be the Bucks in 7. Yeah. I could see the Bucks in 6. I think it's going to be the Bucks in 7 if I had to pe- put money on it. Are you going to do a little hedging to uh to make sure you walk away with some cash or are you going to ride with your with your Raptors? Nah. I don't I don't really like unless it's like huge money I'm not yeah. I'm not huge into hedging I you know cuz then if you lose the hedge you're like oh you, you should have never decided guess yourself oh, of so course. Of you got to ride the wave you got to it's never over till it's over. I, I, and like I said it's it's a coin toss yeah um I think I also have the bucks I think it'll take 7 games but I, I think they just uh they have a better team I think I agree they have better coaching and uh they have Giannis I think a lot of times basketball comes down to having the best player. Kawhi is hot right now. Uh, Kawhi is also hot on the streets. People, Josh Wagner, if he were here right now, would talk about recency bias because all year long everybody's been saying Giannis is the best player in the NBA, and now all of a sudden Kawhi makes that shot and has a good end of his series, and he's better than Kobe Bryant, according to uh, Skip Bayless. Yeah. Or, uh, and now Kellerman, yeah. I mean, Kellerman. people are just They're yeah, all prisoners of the moment. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, yeah, I mean, the best player right now, when healthy, is still Kevin Durant, and just mm-hmm. as far as impacting a game. But I mean, Giannis and Kawhi is like, you know, that's that's your top three. So if you're gonna make an argument for one of those, like, it's not, it's not, you know, too crazy. I mean, it's probably could make a pretty good argument for either one of those three right now. But any anyone else might be a little tough. LeBron. I don't know, man. You just, you think so, but I mean, even his stats this year were pretty good. You know, everyone wants to point out like, you know, how bad he was. He did, you know, average close to, you know, 27, 28 points, pretty, pretty comparable. I think he averaged one rebound and one assist more than Kevin Durant at least too. So he is a more complete player. I do think stats why, but at the same time, you know, if I kind of did the revelation this year, like I have stopped caring about Russell Westbrook's triple doubles. Pretty much officially right now. Yeah. I just, I think they, I, I mean, it's always been kind of said, but this year, like, I'm just admitting, like, they're just so hollow. Like, when, if he, when, I was watching the Thunder so much because I'm a huge Paul George stan. And, like, when, when Russell Westbrook would just give the ball up to Paul George to, like, let him score, like, you saw what happened. You saw he was an MVP candidate. Like, you, it's just, like, he just, I don't know. He, he just won't admit he's ever cold, and it's really annoying. But that I kind of don't know how I got on that tangent. But yeah, I'm off that <laughs> now. But 
off the I'm off the thunder. I want better for my baby PG. He needs to he needs to explore some options, maybe in a Motor City, but that's you know that's for later. But all right, so we'll move on over to the Western Conference now. Uh, they also had a pretty good Game Seven against the Nuggets. Uh, it was the last time we got to see the beautiful creature that is Nikola Jokic. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a, a plumber's body out there balling in the NBA, playing pretty much exactly how I would hope to play pickup basketball. I love whenever they get the rebound and he just stands at the top of the key and never even makes his way into the paint during a possession. That's my favorite possession of Jokic. Uh, just a, a really beautiful creature. Sad to see him go. Versus the Warriors would have been just absolute murder. The Blazers maybe will be able to steal a game, um, but I think we'll we'll all know how this series will go. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, do you want to make it a little interesting? How many games? How many games you got the series ending at? I think like five. I my my original thing was a gentleman sweep too. I'm trusting Dame and CJ. I think they're I think CJ is probably playing the best CJ McCollum has ever played in his life right now. Like his best basketball. So I'll give him six. I'll I'll really give him six. I think I think I think they can do it. If if I think if the Blazers win six games, or I mean I think if the Blazers can make it to six games, I think they should just be given the series win and be able to go to the finals. (laughs) I mean, at some point, though, to touch on really quick, though, I want to bring him back to Houston. I mean, I I won't spend too much time on it, but you have Chris Paul at about like 40, almost 50 million a year. For reference, like Blake Griffin is our most highly paid player on our team. We think he's overpaid and he's making 32 million a year. I mean, the contract is just insane. They have so much money tied up in 34 year old Chris Paul. Arden and Capella. And at some point, I mean, you brought the Warriors like last year to seven. I mean, you had Chris Paul get hurt. You bring them to six this year. You, you, the year before, I mean, you face them in the play. Like you just, you think like at some point, like how much do you just keep running it back? I mean, I know that's kind of the way the Raptors kind of got their come up now. Like you just kind of wait for it to, you know, look the LeBron threat to go away. And if you kind of find something that works, you just keep running it back and until it finally does. But at some point, you know, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what, what Houston does right now. What can they do? What would you do? I'll tell you what I would do. I'd, I'd move that Chris Paul contract for yeah. that to have a 30. That's pro, that is easily top three worst contracts in the NBA right now. But who that would want to take it? Awful. No one. Absolutely no one. And that's why it's so bad. No one wants it. No one wants 35-year-old Chris Paul taking 30% of their offensive possessions and just hogging the ball and dribbling out of the air out of it, you know, for, you know, 22 seconds of the shot clock. It's just, it's, you know, James Harden even, I think James Harden should get more possessions than he did. I don't, I think, I just don't know. I just, I think the Rockets have an interesting situation right now. But, I mean, as far as the Warriors go, I mean, the way it's looking this playoffs, I mean, Shoot, let Durant walk. Let Boogie walk. I mean, I think I think you guys are just fine. I mean, Clay's kind of you know walking out of the Avengers uh, two hours into the movie, you know, with with the entire team there. Caused yeah. a few articles to be written about him. So say what you want about you know, I I can tell it's so obvious how sick of 
uh, Draymond shit Steve Kerr is. Steve Kerr is so sick and tired of Draymond Green. He cannot wait for him to, you know, get someone somewhere and move to a different city. But it's, it, I mean, it's, it's the Warriors, you know, it's the Warriors world, man. Until they kill themselves, it's, it's, it's their game. Yep, I, I agree. I think the Warriors uh, pretty much win the series as long as they just play their play their basketball. Um, I think uh, you talked about CJ McCollum who's playing the best basketball of his life, shooting 54.7% in game six and seven of the last series. But I'm sure they will have Klay Thompson on him, uh, who, of course, we all know is a lockdown defender. Uh, I think that will really uh, hurt CJ McCollum's shooting percentage. He'll be nowhere near those numbers. Uh, have a little heat check. But uh, do you think that uh, the Blazers' chances to win would go up if uh, Cousins and Durant return? <laughs> I get. If you ask the uh, the Vorp guys, the uh, advanced statistic guys, they're probably they'll probably say yeah. But <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on, like it's that's that's. That's like the Western All-Star starting five right there. I know. I mean, that's, it's ridiculous. It's just it's not really- even fun. Like, it's so good. It's just not even fun. It's just like, I guess. Like, sure. Have, you guys, clap, clap, bravo. Yeah. You guys, you guys really did it. But, I mean, it's just, yeah. It's it's like I said. It's their world until they until they dissolve themselves. Yeah, I think, um, I think the Blazers need – Cousins and Durant's injuries to both be way worse than uh, they're leading on. And for neither of them to return, maybe uh, Draymond Green kick some people in the nuts. I think that would help. Mm-hmm. Just be down to Stephen Clay. And, uh, and then just like kind of have basically two on two. Steph and Clay versus Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Have the other three guys so just like sit you don't even have to be on the court just sit on the bench we don't need the rest of you and just let <laughs> play two on two and hope that Damon and cj can average like 35 and steph and clay only average 30 i think that would be their best chance i mean that's basically it i mean the problem you're gonna have with the stephs the dames and the Kyrie's of the world right now is they're a one-trick pony. They can score the basketball like no other, but they cannot defend anybody, either any one of them. I mean, they. You'll see, like, anytime you hear anybody arguing that either one of those, oh, they're not a bad defensively. They're literally talking about they'll only play passing lanes and try to intercept some bad passes every now and again. As far as straight up one-on-one guarding the man in front of them, they are wet blankets, all of them. So, I think, yeah, I think. I mean, Dame can definitely match Steph this playoffs if you if you're looking, you know, just at numbers and just at performance. I think he can go shot for shot with him. So, like you said, if if kind of Dame and Steph kind of nullify each other, that's gonna. And you're right. I think Durant's already out for game two. So if his calf just starts acting up, or if they get for some reason just overly cocky and just try to sit him until the finals start. I think the Blazers could give them a scare, but and any time I think the Blazers, if they get two wins, I think I think the Warriors will kind of come to their senses and you know mm-hmm. get back and take care of business. But I I mean I'll also watch of course, but it'll be it'll be an interesting East Conference Finals. The West though, we'll see we'll see Damon Steph shoot, which will be fun, and the yeah. little Curry Bowl. No, that's not an Indian joke, but uh, <laughs> that this little uh, Curry on Curry action. Uh, That'll be that'll be fun to see the mom switch jerseys every game. 
so wacky. <laughs> yeah, and uh, another question I have for you on the series is uh, one narrative that I've heard a lot that I think is pretty stupid. I don't know what you think about it, but uh, I heard a lot of people saying, especially after Game 7, uh, that Damian Lillard is too tired, and uh, that's why he played poorly. What What do you think of the narrative that Dame is tired? I want to just say one thing real quick. Nikola Jokic <laughs> used to drink three liters of Pepsi a day before, <laughs> during, and after basketball practice, and this man played a four-overtime 62-minute game, and he was fine. I don't want to hear anything about anyone being <laughs> tired ever again. If he can do that, exactly. Nikola Jokic can play over 60 minutes in a basketball game. Yeah. I don't want to hear Damian Lillard saying 40 minutes is is uh it's killing him over there. I think you know this is this is the playoffs. I mean, playing this late in the playoffs, I mean, a lot of players are taking breaks right now, but this is what you want. I mean, this yeah. is it comes with it. That's why LeBron doesn't get time off. That's why he's so so worn down. He just you get two months off if you go to the finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just um, thought that was ridiculous. I'm, I'm glad you agree with that. Yeah, just a, and it's fifty just points in the first round. How do you get that tired in a, in a week and a half? It's ridiculous. Yeah, he just scored all of his points against Russ. It just yeah. gassed them all out of that round. He gave him gave him everything he had. But that that was honestly probably one of the uh, the funner moments of the playoffs too. That little Dame Russ back and forth uh, battle. That was that was really okay. intriguing and fun to watch the gifs on that. All right, so uh, if you had to pick an X factor in this series, who, who would you give that to? Uh, I can do one for each team, uh, for the Blazers. I'm going to go, I'm going to go two guys. One that's going to be a little more obvious. I'm going to go Inez Cantor. I think he can provide a lot of, uh, a lot of points and a lot of offensive value on the, on, you know, in the paint towards, uh, towards, it's just going to be tough because he is matched up with Draymond Green. I'm not huge on Andrew Bogut just because he literally came out of the Australia League uh, less than a month ago. So I think he'll be fine there, uh, just a guess. But, yeah, that Draymond matchup will be tough. But Enes Cantor, they're relying on him a lot now uh, to get a lot of usage. Also, Zach Collins for uh, for Portland. He's been getting a lot of minutes, the, the tall rookie from Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think he's a second-year player, second year player, my bad. But um, he's been getting a lot of usage. And I think, I mean, his – jump shot looks pretty good for a guy that's like pretty much seven foot. So I think he can, I think he's looking a little bit more promising the more I'm watching the blazes and it's going to be interesting to see him come off the bench. And I know I'm not picking him to win, but it's going to be interesting seeing what he does. I'm, I'm watch. I'm keeping an eye on him. As far as the warriors go, I mean, I'm not going to give too much of a, too much of a, you know, an X factor here just because they're, it's, it's the Warriors. They don't, they're, they're lying. They're, they don't need X factors. They don't need they have anything. A and B factor. <laughs> One guy. Also, I'll give you this though. One guy I, for some reason, love, love watching during Warriors games. Jonas Derebko is probably one of like the most. I don't know. Some people might hate him. I think he's some one of the most like unsatisfying players to watch. Like just ball. I just saw him. You know, stink it up so much on the Pistons all those years, and he was always like such a little promising product and then for him to finally get like a shot somewhere else and like be you know kind of on a national stage it's just funny to see him like 
you know, someone you've only thought you knew about. And now he's here, you know, getting assists from Iggy and Kevin Durant and scoring. Like, I think he had like, you know, eight, eight points in like one of the first quarters and in, in one of the previous series, of this playoff. So he's, he's kind of a, you know, different guy. If you don't, if you're tired of watching, uh, Sean Livingston take a contested 10 foot, you know, turnaround jumpers or, you know, Iggy, Iggy, you know, flopping, uh, flopping, trying to get some calls and complaining to the ref. Uh, if you're tired of seeing those two things, uh, he's fun to watch. Yeah. I am not going to give one for the Warriors cause I don't care. Um, but my X factor for the trailblazers would be Rodney hood. I'm a big Rodney hood fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure a lot of people remember uh, his 25 points in game six and, of course, his game winner in game three, the uh, the overtime game. I'm a big, big Rodney Hood fan. Uh, he did have a bone bruise in game seven, so he was questionable for game one, but he ended up playing his full minutes uh, and put up uh, 17 points in game one. So I, I think Rodney Hood could be a guy that could do the uh, the old – I don't know when his contract is up next – but if he has a good enough Western Conference series and gets his name out there, I could see him being one of those guys that just gets a ridiculously fat, undeserving contract. <laughs> Probably. And, I mean, he does already have that championship experience with LeBron, which some teams, you know, will value, I guess. I don't, I don't really see too much, uh, you know, wouldn't wait in that. But out of Duke, he was such, like, a weird prospect. He's almost like a Cam Reddish this year where, like, he's kind of a stretch four. He's kind of good at shooting but not, like, a sharpshooter. He's kind of, you know what I'm saying? He's just like mm-hmm. a little bit of a weird fit, but I think he's finally, like as he had that uh, in, in the last game on the Warriors, he had that one uh, big three to close out the quarter, that buzzer beater. That was a nice play. I mean, he's really coming along a lot better than what I thought he was in Cleveland. I mean, a lot of, I mean, look at George Hill. I mean, this playoffs, I mean, you know what he did in Cleveland. So I don't know if it was just you oh. know, Cavs or what LeBron did or, you know, I'm really impressed with Rodney and I think he's a, I think he has a promising future, more more promising than I originally thought this year. Yeah, I uh, I just looked it up. He's on a contract year right now, so he's about mm-hmm. to, he's about to get paid. That's probably why it could uh, could explain yeah. his uh, his motivation right there. Yeah, he's currently 25 years old, and uh, he's going to be a, an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. He just finished off a one year deal worth 3.5 million. So uh, that number is going to maybe uh, like six tuple. Like he's going to make a lot more money uh, in his next contract. Oh yeah, but even that deal right there—that kind of is a pretty good indicator of like what most teams thought of him like before yeah. the season. A one a one year guy, just you know, a measly three million. That's you know, really if you're paying him three million, you're probably you know, barely outside like the top you know five, six, seven, you know, top player paid players on your team. You're not, you know, a really starter bench quality guy, but he's really proven himself. And he's a, he's a big part of the Blazers rotation. I'm, like I said, really impressed. For sure. Um, all right. So you ready to give your pick for the series? Well, I think we know it, but uh, how many games do you think it'll last again? Six games for the, for the Blaze or for the Warriors? Yeah, I think the Warriors are going to get it done in six. I think, I think the, Bucks Warrior series. That'll be my prediction for the finals. I think I'll give the Bucks six. six. Yeah, I think I'll probably agree with both of those predictions. Uh, I, I won't. Well, not both of them. I think the Warriors will beat the Blazers in uh, probably five, and then I think mm-hmm. the Bucks, I think the Bucks will be able to take them to six. 
and then we'll see the Warriors run again. And then hopefully this offseason, everything gets blown up and we can enjoy a competitive season of basketball next year. <laughs> and there's a story like last offseason. I think you might remember it. You might not. It was when uh, actually it might have been two offseasons ago. It was when Draymond Green was at that Michigan State party and he went up to that Michigan State football player and just like yes. clocked him in the head, like punched him, like tried to steal his girl for like no reason yes. at all. And like. <laughs> we need Draymond to do something like that again and just, like, get him get himself, like, arrested. Be- and hopefully then, like, you know, Steve Curl just had enough of his shit and just ship him away or trade him. And then slowly but surely, you know, we need to see the the uh, the red keeper that is the Warriors slowly start to crumble and fall. I would love it. All right. So, Brent, before I let you go, I'm going to ask you one final question. Yes. What- are you listening to that is a great great question so right now um what i'm currently on the lookout for uh uzi has been dropping a lot of snippets uh he just finished his recent album eternal a take it's uh if you've been following you know twitter uzi for a while this has been uh an album that's uh really been anticipated and it's kind of almost equivalent to uh astro world where uh, the leakers and like the Twitter stands, like almost like ruined it and, you know, pretty much leaked everything before it released. But it's sounding like Uzi's about to drop that. So uh, be on the lookout for that one. That's that's going to be probably the project of the year. Top three. I'm I'm locking it in. It's it's sounding like it's he's been working on it for a while. It's, it's going to be good. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us, Brent, on Gritty Sports Talk. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, always a pleasure to talk a little bit of uh, basketball with you. And, uh, if you ever need me, uh, you know where to reach me. <laughs>